book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, we'll get into our study of the word, I got it for you Keith, oh you got it, okay. Second Timothy chapter four. This is our last chapter in the book of Second Timothy. We won't finish the chapter tonight, but it starts the the uh, it's the last chapter of the Apostle Paul's last letter. This is the last recorded letter that we have. We know from church history that it was probably just shortly after this, that he went on to be martyred for the Lord. And he knew that. We'll see that as we study through this, this chapter towards the end. He, he knew that his time was running short, his time on the earth, time of departure was near. And so in a sense, these are kind of the Apostle Paul's last words. And of course, all of all the Word of God is of great importance and great value, and that's one of the things we studied last week. All Scripture is inspired of God. But from the heart of the, the Apostle Paul, I can't help but feel like these, were, these, these words must have had, at least to him, extra special weight and value because it really, he knew that his time was coming, and it's kind of like his, his uh, last bit of ministry encouragement that he could pass on to his younger colleague, Timothy. Timothy, you passed because it really is kind of um, as if Paul would, would sum up 30 years of ministry and kind of passing on now, passing the torch, so to speak, to his um, beloved Timothy. So whatever he has to say to Timothy, these would be, of course, great important words to him, but I think they, they're of a great value to us tonight too. So let's just pray and ask the Lord to speak to us tonight out of these passages us and passed down through generations. And Lord, we know that your word is alive. It has the power to change lives. And Lord, our own lives are evidence of that. We are, we are different, God. Nothing has impacted me or my life or my heart like your word. Lord, I've, I've read a, a number of wonderful books and I've uh, read some true, some untrue and, and various truths, Lord, but nothing has hit my life and lasted and and changed me and, and done the work that this, this, work, this book has done, Lord. Something about your word that really is alive and goes down into the heart and bears fruit because it's not just the words of men, but it's the word of the living God. And all the power of God, all the... Amen. So if you're someone that is aspiring to be used by God in ministry, if you are a... And I hope that's all of you. If, if you are a young person here tonight and thinking, you know, how, what, would the, what, would be, what would be some important things to have in my heart as I look forward in my life and for that thinking? And I would just encourage you tonight to just draw from these words, words of wisdom, really weighty words of, of truth and power. And I believe that it will help shape and direct your path spiritually in all walk of ministry. What I've titled tonight's message is... Fulfill your calling. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Fulfill your calling. Let's look here at the first verse together. And the first point I want to 
make tonight out of the passage is that you are, first of all, accountable to God concerning your calling and your fulfilling your calling and being faithful with what God would call you to do. It's important to remember you are accountable to God. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Paul getting ready to close his remarks with Timothy and he, he has this strong exhortation, this strong charge. He doesn't just say, Timothy, now as an apostle, I, the apostle Paul and your good friend, I really want to encourage you. Timothy, this is really important to me. No, he says, I charge you before God. Timothy, it's to God that you must ultimately give an account for your calling. It's to God that you must ultimately answer as to what you do with this calling that he has for your life. You may remember the parable of Jesus when he talked about the talents and the, uh, the businessman who gave a variety of talents to different servants and he came back after a time to see what had been done and those that had used those talents, used those resources and fulfilled and bore fruit with those things. The master was pleased. Well done. Well done. And he rewarded them. But the one who said, oh, I... I hid it. I knew you were a hard taskmaster and I didn't want to lose it, so I just hid it. I didn't do anything with those things that you gave me. And the master rebuked that servant and said, you're a wicked, wicked servant. Take away what he has and give it to these that have been faithful. So God has given to each of us a, a, a grace. We've been studying that in Romans, haven't we, on Sundays. To, eat, to, every, to every one of you, God has given a grace that you might fulfill his purpose and calling for your life. And he has a purpose and a calling. He has good works prepared for you. And oftentimes we think of that, oh, wouldn't it be nice to kind of come into the things that God has for me? And yes, it would be nice, but more than nice, it's of great necessity that you come into those things that God has for you. Because ultimately, there's going to be an accounting for that. Ultimately, what you do for God with what God gives you you're going to have to give also answer to God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. That's back a few books to your left. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul talks about this in, an, in another passage, about this ultimately standing before God and giving an account. I'll be honest with you, it, it kind of... It's not something I like to think about a lot. It's something that I know, and it's something that does motivate my heart to be faithful, but I'll just be honest. I, I know I've squandered some time, and I know that I've made uh, many mistakes in my walk, even as a Christian, even as someone in ministry. And I, oh, I just kind of, Lord, I'm just not looking forward to, to the replay of some of my life. But I also know that God in His mercy and grace will forgive the past and is able to even from this point on, redeem that which has been lost and still bear fruit in my life. And I'm thankful for that. My life is a testimony of that. A life that was not very fruitful for many years, but then finally I allowed the Lord to really get hold of my heart and began to, to give, give place to those things that I believed He wanted me to do. And I began to walk and step towards the things that God had opened before me. And God then, since then, has really begun to make my life fruitful. I still, you know sure that I'm not completely efficient. I know that there's, there's still going to be a sense of regret for some of the things, even in ministry, that, oh, Lord, if only I had pressed a little bit harder, if only I had hung in there a little bit longer in prayer, if only I 
hadn't gotten discouraged and quit on this. And those kinds of things, I'm sure, will come to the light. But I'm not, I'm not looking f- forward to all of this. But at the same time, I know there will be great reward. And it will be great blessing for those things that we have allowed the Lord to do. And that's what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Look with me at verse 10. Paul talking about his own life. He says, according to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So if you're a Christian tonight, Jesus Christ is the foundation that has been laid in your heart. That, that's where you start your spiritual life is in Christ. But now you have as a believer, you have opportunity to build upon that foundation. He says in verse 12, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, that means if it endures and passes the test of fire, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. There's coming a day when even Christians, the believers, will give an account to the Lord. There will be a day of judgment, not judgment as to salvation. If, you're, if the foundation of Christ has been laid in your heart, like he says here, even so you will be saved. It's not a judgment concerning salvation, but it is a judgment concerning how you have built upon that foundation of salvation which you have in your heart. What have you done with your life? What have you allowed God to work through your life? Have you been, have you been building some works of gold and precious, precious metals by being faithful and obedient to the things that the Lord would call you to do? Not only personally, but in terms of service. And, and you know, it's not, it's not big, great things that you have to do. It's just being faithful with the things that God would give you to do. Jesus said that even a cup of cold water given in His name will not go without reward. So even a small act of kindness, just a a gracious act of friendship, if it's done in the Lord and in obedience to the Lord, even that will be part of the precious metal that will endure through the fire and for which you and I will receive reward. But there's also works that we do, wood, hay, and stubble, right? A lot of work and effort going into things that really in in the... in the weight of eternity, they're not going to be worth that much. Rubbish. So, I encourage you tonight, examine your heart. Think about your ministry. This is what Paul is trying to say to Timothy. You turn back with me, Second Timothy. Timothy, I'm, almost, I'm, I'm about ready to go. These are some of the last words I'm going to be able to give you, my young friend. And I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. He's talking about that day when all will be judged, the living and the dead, those that are alive when He returns, those that have already gone on. He will give, we will have to give an account to the Lord for how we lived our lives. And Paul said, hey, I, I did my best to do my part. My part was to lay that foundation. And I labored hard to lay a good foundation. And now... 
The foundation of the apostles has been laid. We as the church are building upon that foundation. Let's consider that we are ultimately accountable to God. It's not optional. I guess I would say to you tonight, well, I'll get around to those things, you know, but I'm busy living my own life now. I, I've got so many things to be that I'm busy with, you know. Yeah, I know. I have a feeling that God has some plans for me. I know that, you know, eventually I want to get around to that. I, this is this is this is me 20 years ago. Yeah, oh, you know, ministry it'll be there, you know, but right now I've got to do this and I've got that. I've got other important things going on and I just don't have time for for I don't want to get overcommitted in ministry. I don't want to get overconsumed with the things of God. And yet, in the end, I have this feeling that those are, the, those are some of the decisions I'm going to regret. I'm going to say, oh, Lord, if only I'd been more diligent. I, already ha- I don't know about you. I already have some of those regrets. Not even haven't even arrived to that day. But I already, already look back on my life and think, oh, Lord, if only... As a young man, if only I was a little bit smarter. If only I knew then what I know now. Wow, I could have been so much farther along spiritually. And in the, you know, just, just things that you look back. And I, I'm not saying all this for that, so we look back and just go home feeling guilty. I'm saying this to motivate our hearts tonight about how we want to live the rest of our lives. For what, for, for, Lord, for what I'm worth from here on out, I want to spend it on you. And I want it to be fruitful. And I want my life to have some sense of of purpose in you. And so Paul is giving Timothy that kind of exhortation. Timothy, God's the one that calls you. I'm charging you before Him. He's the one that calls you. He's the one that will ultimately judge your work. And whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. You You and I are accountable to God, not to man, but to God. Secondly, let's look at verse 2. What does Paul encourage Timothy to do? What is Timothy's calling? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For Timothy, who was a pastor, a minister, a man who had been called to ministry, this was his calling. Preach the word. You see the exclamation point there? It's with great emphasis. Timothy, preach God's Word. And he goes on to talk about that which God's Word is good for. Of course, some of it is reiterating what we studied here last week about the Holy Scriptures, able to make you wise, profitable, good for doctrine, for reproof, and so forth. He kind of reemphasizes some of that here in, in, in encouraging Timothy to preach the Word. Now, let's just kind of work through it. First of all, he says, preach, preach the word. That word means to herald or to proclaim publicly. We are to proclaim the truth. We are not given an option as to what we must proclaim. The message is not to be altered. We are to preach God's word. And this is not just for Timothy, but for all who would look to be ministers of the word, all that would pastor, all that would ultimately shepherd God's people. I have a charge on my life, and it's not, I don't get to decide what, how I want to handle it. I have, preaching God's Word is my, my charge. I don't get to tell, preach what I want. I don't get to pick and choose the things that I think you might like to hear or the things that, that I really like to talk about or the things that I really know think I know something about. No, I, I'm, I'm just a messenger. 
I'm here just to preach and teach God's Word. That's my charge. Preach the Word. Teach God's Word. Don't preach your Word, your ideas, God's Word. Proclaim it. I just bring... The message is not mine. It's God's. I have no uh, authority to change it. I am compelled to teach and preach God's Word. And this should be truthfully... I mean, think about this. This is the Apostle Paul's, some of his last words, written specifically to a pastor and a shepherd of God's people. How could you possibly get into ministry today thinking you might, you know, that God's called you to be a pastor and think that you might have an option on this? What, where, what other authority would you look to to determine what you and I, what, you know, what we should be preaching? And yet today, pastors are teaching all kinds of things in the pulpit from politics to health to mental health to self-fulfillment, you know, positive... Th- I mean, all kinds, of, but very little coming from the Word. A, a Scripture laced in here or there, but most of it kind of this, you know, something other than the true doctrine of God's Word. So, Paul is clear to Timothy. There's no, he makes no bones about it. Preach His Word, Timothy. That's what you're called to do. We must preach His Word. He says, be ready in and out of season. This sense, to me, being ready, it's this, this idea of urgency. Be prepared. Always ready to talk, to, to speak God's Word in and out of season. That means when it's convenient and when it's inconvenient. We're not supposed to preach God's Word, you know, in, in certain settings and not His Word in others. We don't alter the message based on the culture or what people may want to hear. No, we preach God's Word in every setting. It's always relevant. It's always... And it, 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 it's not... It doesn't matter how it's responded to. What matters is being, who, who, am I, who am I serving? Who am I accountable to? Point one, to God. So you may hate me for preaching some of what I'm, uh, what I'm compelled to preach. I hope you don't. I, don't you, I know that you wouldn't be here if you did, but some won't like what they hear, but it, that's, I'm not here serving men. I can't be and be faithful to God. I can't be a man-pleaser and a God-pleaser. And I'm saying this for me, but this, you know, put this right over on your own sense of calling, whatever God would call you to do. It has to be for Him, and you have to be faithful with it. And in and out of season, you need to be ready to do the work that God would call you to do. How many of you know that ministry is not always convenient? Amen. Well, I can help you. You know, let me look at my calendar. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, yeah, I can serve here, but mm, this isn't going to work for me. And I have, you know, it's just not fitting my schedule. I don't think I'm going to be able to do ministry this month. <laughs> you know, I'm exaggerating, and I'm, you know, but you understand the spirit. It, it, in and out of season, we're called to serve the Lord, and we're called to be faithful with those things that He would. And there'll be, there's going to be times, you know, I've experienced times of such wonderful fruit in ministry you know i i've led worship in services where the place is packed and the first strum of the guitar the church just boom erupts in worship and then i've i've led worship in services where half the people are you know wishing they weren't there hands are in their pot i'm not talking about you or anybody here tonight but I'm just saying, using this as an example, there's been times of where it's just so easy and so wonderful to be serving the Lord. And there have been times when it's just work, just being faithful, you know. And 
that's what Paul says. Timothy, you need to be faithful in season, you know, when the sun's shining and out of season, when it's cloudy and difficult and inconvenient. You still be faithful with what God's called you to do. His calling was to preach the word. He also has this, um, I don't know, this being ready. I, I feel like it has a sense of urgency. I, I, it reminded me of a passage in Jeremiah uh, chapter 20, verse 9. I'll read it to you. You don't need to turn to it. But there was a time when Jeremiah the prophet, who was proclaiming God's word to the people, that every time he sp- spoke the word, he'd come in and prophesy what God told him to say to the people. They'd get mad at him. And, or they would mock him. Because Jeremiah was saying, hey, God had told me to tell you guys that he's not happy with what's going on in your life right now. And if you don't repent and change, he's going to send difficulty. He's going to discipline. He's going to judge you. Ha, get out of here, Jeremiah. We're fine. We're doing good. You know, and, and it, it, after a while, Jeremiah got to feel like, you know what, God? I'm, not gonna, I'm, I'm, not, I'm done with your word. Every time I say something, I either get in trouble, they abuse me, they mock me. You're not judging anybody. You, I'm, say, I'm giving all this warning and everything's just going on like it's fine. I'm done. Lord, there's no reason for me to do this anymore. And here's what happened when Jeremiah decided to do that. I'll read you this verse. Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. There were times when Jeremiah was preaching the word, and it was inconvenient. It was out of season. But when he tried to hold it in, it just, because it was alive on the inside of him, because God had compelled him, because God's calling was still on him, he could, I, I had, okay, I have to preach it. I'm compelled to do this in obedience to God even if it produces, you know, some uncomfortableness for me. Jeremiah had to be faithful. You and I have to be faithful. Let's look at a few things that the Word does. He says it here. Preach the Word. Be ready in and out of season. And here's the work of the Word. Here's why you need to preach it. Here's what the Word will do in people's lives. It will convince. It will rebuke. It will exhort. And you need to do this with all long-suffering and and, and teaching. So the work of the Word... We're under point two here, the calling of preaching the word. First of all, he says, preach it. Second of all, be ready in and out of season. Thirdly, let's look at what the word does. Two negative things that it does and one positive things. One positive thing. When I say negative, I mean it, it has a negative impact on those who hear it. This word convince, it really means reprove or confront error. I say that's kind of a, that's a negative um, impact on the heart of the hearer they're not doing the right thing doctrinal error maybe their 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 doctrine is out of balance maybe they've been listening to some uh you know out of improper emphasized teaching whatever or they're just you know they're not really taking the word of god seriously so when someone does begin to preach the word the idea is that it would convince them hey i I'm not right. I, I'm, what I thought about God isn't correct. Somebody now teaching me the Bible, the Word is confronting me and convincing me, confronting error in my life. And that should happen when we hear the Word. Oh, no, no, I don't want to feel bad. when I want to come to church and feel good. I get enough feeling bad out in the world. I want to come to church and feel... Well, if the Word is perfect, and it is, 
and our lives are something less than perfect, then how can we ever come and hear the Word of God and not feel a sense of being challenged? I mean, when you bring imperfect lives in contact with the perfect standard of His Word, what would you expect to hear? Oh, I'm so glad to hear that I'm perfect. No, I'm so I'm finding out areas in my life that I'm I'm being convinced of areas in my life that need to change. So there is this convincing, and it, it does have the idea of correcting. Also, rebuke. Rebuke is even stronger. Rebuke is to bring a change through a sense of guilt. Now we sometimes we don't like to say use the word guilt because we know that in Christ our sins have been forgiven. We don't want to be under the burden of guilt. So we use the word conviction. And that's okay. But here's the truth. If, you're, if your life is in sin and you're doing something that's wrong, the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you. That feeling that you have is guilt. I, I shouldn't have done that. I'm not right. Sometimes we hear the Word. You know, Have you ever just sometimes... And just re, or sometimes you're reading the Word myself. I just... I'll read the word. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Oh, like a little dart goes in. Oh, that's not the way I was acting yesterday. (laughs) That's not the way I was behaving. And so what is that? It's conviction, but it's a sense of guilt. Not guilt that leads me to condemnation, but a a rebuke. And And I'm okay with that. And you and I need to be okay. That's part of the work of the word. When the word is being preached, it's going to confront, it's going to convince, it's going to rebuke, it's going to challenge. That's part of what God's word is supposed to do in our hearts. Not to a feeling, not to feeling of condemnation like, oh, I'm so bad, now he doesn't love me, he'll never forgive me, I might as well quit and give up. No, that's the condemnation. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God doesn't bring this sense of rebuke so that you will quit and give up but rather so that you would repent and be restored and go on and be healed and do better and that God would, from glory to glory, change us. And that's been my experience. How about yours? I, I, I found, you know, just because I got, became a Christian, I wasn't instantly, you know, as wonderful as I am today. All right? <laughs> my point is it's a process and I'm still in it. God's still working on me. But thank God I can see the progress of His Word. I can see how His Word has been shaping me. There are things that I used to do I no longer do. There are things I never did. Now I do regularly because God's Word is beginning to transform my life by His Spirit, by His grace, through my relationship with Him. That's why Paul says, Timothy, preach the Word because it's going to do these things in the heart of God's people. And we need to hear those kinds of uh, truths from His Scripture in order that our hearts and lives would be challenged and changed. You know, John the Baptist, he did a lot of preaching. Jesus as well. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. What's that mean? Change. Hey, stop going in the direction that you're going. As we preach God's word, we must confront sin. We can't get into a... a, a and, and this is I say all of this, emphasize it, because we see some of this happening now in churches. Pastors kind of wanting to go a little softer on sin because we don't want to offend. We don't want to get people thinking that it's all about, you know, some set of rules. 
And it, and it isn't a set of rules, but we can't preach God's Word truthfully and not confront sin. Because God's Word confronts sin. And we, as we preach it, as we teach it, it's going to hit you. It's going to find its mark. And it should. And as if you're a Christian and you want to grow with the Lord, you should welcome it. You don't want to fight it. You don't want to resist that. You want to say, Amen, Lord. Have your way in me. Amen, God. I acknowledge that. That's an area of my life that needs to change. Forgive me, Lord. I want to do better. Forgive me for those words. Forgive me for those thoughts. Forgive me for that attitude. Lord, I repent. I know that's not what you have for me. Your word is challenging me to be more like Christ. Amen. Lord, get me onto that path. And that's the, that's the work of the word. But it also has this wonderful positive word that's included here, exhort. That word exhort is parakaleo. It comes from the same word that Jesus used when describing the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. And it really means to come alongside. Jesus, when he talked about the Holy Spirit, he called him the comforter, the one called alongside to help us. And that's what this word exhort means when Paul says, Preach the word, Timothy, convince, rebuke, and exhort. The word of God is going to come alongside and encourage your heart. It's an, it has the idea of uh, comfort. It has the idea of uh, helping. Not just The word of God just doesn't come just confronting. It also comes and encourages. It also comes to give help. It come, like coming alongside, hey, I got you. Come on, we can do this together. And the word of God comes into our hearts and encourages us. And there's wonderful passages of Scripture, right, that give us that kind of encouragement. Many of the Psalms, you know, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Thou art with me. And there's comfort. And the Word of God can, can become this treasure of comfort in times of t- trouble, in times of difficulty. We look to God's Word to shore up our hearts. That's why preaching it is so important, because it has all of this aspect to it. Yes, there's a convincing. There, yes, there's a, there's a rebuke. There's a correcting. But there's also a comforting, a coming alongside to help us. Exhortation. Building us up. Strengthening us. Confirming that we are His and that He loves us and His promises and the future that He has for us. These things come out of our understanding of His Word. The work that He's done for us in Christ Jesus. How would we know how wonderful salvation is in Christ? were it not for His Word, describing it in such detail. So God's Word has comforted us that way. And that's been a great blessing for us. Finally, he talks also under this idea of the calling, preaching the Word. He talked about the work of the Word. He also talks about the work of the preacher. Here's how you're supposed to do it, Timothy. With all long-suffering and teaching. With all long-suffering and teaching. You know that word, long-suffering. Patience, endurance, perseverance. Paul tells Timothy, look, this, this work of ministering to others, teaching the Word, sharing the Word, you're going to have to be patient with it. You're going to have to endure with others in this. Because people don't change like that, do they? Now, this, is a, this is a good word for me as a pastor, but this is a good word for all of us as people wanting to be used by God. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, we say it and we just expect everybody to magically, you know, change. 
hey, I've already told you, God said this. And why isn't everybody here on Wednesday night fasting and praying? And, you know, why aren't we just out street witnessing? Why aren't we, haven't we got this whole city saved? You know, as a pastor, sometimes, you know, you get ambitious, you know. And you, you preach what you think is a good message. And, you know, it's like, come on. You know, it ought to just be producing all this wonderful fruit instantly. But Paul said, no, Timothy, you're going to have to do this with long-suffering. Because it takes time for the Word to work in your life. And all I have to do is look at my own life to be reminded of that. You know, it takes time. God's Word has to go in and it has to kind of, you know, first of all, it has to settle into your heart. It has to be something that you're convinced of and that you embrace. And then it takes time, doesn't it, for us to change and allow God's Word and Spirit to transform us. We don't change even when we want to, even when we set our heart to. God's Word has to kind of work us through. And so as pastors and those of us that are in ministry, those of you that are parenting or whatever it is, we've got to be patient. It's not that we're going to compromise and, and just you know, act like it's not important, but we have to allow God's Word to work. And I've seen that over the years in ministry as you teach on certain, certain things, whether you teach on worship, whether you teach on prayer, whether you teach on you know, any part of God's Word, it's over the re- repeated teaching and continual teaching, patient teaching, that you begin to see the heart and life of people change. And we've seen that. We've seen that in individual lives. And some of you are testimonies of that here tonight. Some of you have been coming, and we're, we've only been up in this community a couple of years. And some of you haven't even been here that long, but I can already see God's Word working in your life. I can already see that God's Word has begun. And not me, not my preaching, or t- but God's Word having its impact on your heart. And you're strengthened. You're different than you were when you first began to come and allow God. So God is maturing. So I'm, I'm learning to be patient with that, Lord. And, and I'm seeing it not only in individuals, but I sense it and see it in the life of the church. I sense that our, and I, I'm going to say this, I think we have a lot of room to grow in this area of, I'll just say the area of worship. So I'm going to continue to preach on that. Because I, I, but, but I've already begun to see growth in individuals and as a, corporately as a church. Our hearts are more sensitive now in worship than you know, we used to be. I long for more. I long for all of us. And there are some that are still, you know, I'm kind of waiting for the Word of God to work in you and on you, however He has to do it. But I'm trusting that that Word is at work. And so we have to be patient. I have to be patient as allow the Lord's Word to work in you. You and I have to be patient as we minister to others. You know, we want, to, we want to share our faith and everybody just gets saved the first time, right now. But in truth, it takes time. And Paul is encouraging Timothy, preach the word, but here's how you've got to do it, Timothy, with long-suffering and with teaching. And that teaching simply means careful instruction. You know, you've got to study. You've got to, you've got to dig into the word so that you can present it accurately. And he talks about a sense of urgency here now concerning God's calling. He says a time will come. And boy, if a time is ever going to come, I can't help but believe that that time has come. Let's just read over these last couple of verses here and we'll close tonight. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, 
They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. You know, I have a lot to say on this, so I'm not going to start this tonight. I'm going to go ahead and close here tonight because I don't want to feel rushed to share some of this. Um, So we'll finish up these next sound doctrine, what you think that might mean. Because I think we're living in some of that time now. We're talking about fulfilling your calling. I just want to remind each of you, God's got a calling on your life. When I say that, don't, don't let that stress you like, oh my God, God's got a calling. That, am I supposed to quit my job? Am I supposed to, you know, what, what does that mean? God's calling is not, God may call some of you to do that. But listen, God, it's, God's calling on your life is nothing to be afraid of or worrisome. It's, it's, it's the perfect fit for your life. It may simply be, you know what, being faithful right where you are in the work and job that God's placed you. It may be being a faithful wife and mother over, the things, you know, over those that God's entrusted to you. It may be learning to be a faithful husband and father. You know, being faithful to God's calling doesn't, isn't mean that you know, you've got to do something radical God may call you to that. He may lead you to something what you think today is radical. But he may not. Don't don't be fearful of what they might be, but rather consider how you can be faithful right now with this calling that he has on your life. You know a lot of what he's called you to do. You know a lot of what he's wanting out of your life, just in terms of relationship with him, just in terms of loving one another in our families, in our workplaces, in our church. God will lead you to the next steps. God will bring those, those the, you know, the, the, the things you don't know yet into focus as you're faithful right where you are doing what you're, you're doing. But my point is, God's called you to be faithful. And you're, we're going to give an answer for that. And I want you to be, you know, I guess I do want you to be not fearful, but motivated in heart. Lord, I, that day's coming. That day's going to get here. And I want, I want to live in such a way that, you know, I'll, I can rejoice in that day and not just barely make it. All my works are burned. My whole life has kind of been a waste, but at least I'm saved. And that'll be good, believe me. It'll be good to be saved. But God wants more for you. And it's, it's not something overwhelming. It's not something that you can't do because it's not based on you. It's not... It's not dependent upon you. It's something that He's going to give you the grace to do, and He's going to fulfill it as you give place to it. And that's, uh, I, I, that's the testimony of everybody that I know that's been used by the Lord. That's the testimony of my own life as the Lord has used me. He does it as I give place and cooperate with that grace. So I encourage you tonight. This is Paul encouraged Timothy. For God... The Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living at the end of the dead at His return. Let's be faithful with those things that God has called us to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this word tonight to Timothy. And we know, Lord, that when You, by Your Holy Spirit, inspired Paul to write these words, that You had more than just Timothy in mind. 
that you knew there would come a day when we here in Monrovia would have opportunity to look at this truth and that you would bring it to life in our hearts. Amazing, Lord. Written some 2,000 years ago, and yet it hits us with, with life and vitality. It just spiritually illuminates us. It's your word, God. And so we embrace it that way, and I ask God that you would speak it down into our hearts. I pray that it would begin to bear fruit. And Lord, I, I, I pray that um, you would begin to speak to each one of us concerning your calling. Lord, I don't, wanna, I don't want it to be some oppressive um, thing that people start to worry and get anxious over. That's not what you have. I really believe that it's, it's a simple yielding. It's simply saying, Lord, here I am. Lord, I'm not sure. Lord, I don't know what, what all you have for me, but I, I, I'm here, and I want to be faithful. And I want to start by being more diligent just in my, my relationship with you, just in beginning to study your word, just in beginning to pray diligently. Lord, help me to do the things right now, to take those first steps and just becoming faithful with the calling, your calling, your purpose for my life. And I believe that as we do that, Lord, you will take care of the rest. You will um, lead us to those things that you have for us. And I don't believe there will be any stopping it to those whose hearts are yielded and, and submitted to you. So I thank you, God, for these words, and I pray that you would continue to work in all of our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name.